welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. You have an upside-down frown? I don't know. The song's stuck in my head, so here we are. That's yeah. fair. How are you today? Ah, I'm fine. As you know, my mom's condo closing was yesterday slash today so that's all done congratulations on having that done thank with thank you and so now we just wait out the debtors good yeah. times yeah yeah and work was boring and now i'm here <laughs> how <Awesome>. about you <sighs> it's once again it's been a week and it's only, <laughs> only tuesday tuesday well you know, if if we're talking about like a week from like recording to recording, though, it's been an insane week because it started when I went to finish editing the last episode, finding out that somebody had gotten some ransomware on the computer that we use for podcasting and all the files were encrypted and everything was gone and terrible. So that was fun. Cool. But yeah, so people suck and they wanted, I don't even know how much money because I obviously never bothered to get in touch with them to find out when it said to email us or whatever. I didn't even read the whole thing. Contact us to get your files unencrypted. No, I just shut it down and (laughs) was not going to play into that because who knows what they wanted. But no amount of money would have been the right amount of money to pay for that because people suck and they're not entitled to my money for being assholes. We reformatted the hard drive, didn't lose much because... Everything was backed up. You know, we lost a few drops, which I was annoyed about, like the Tilk telling, basically saying, I told you so. That drop was lost. And that's sad. The Adobe Audition timelines, we lost, I think, like half of them. But it's not a huge deal because we still have the MP3 of the finished episodes. Like, so that's what matters. But it was just annoying more than anything else. And somebody actively remoted into my computer and installed software in my computer so that is a really shitty feeling to know that somebody else not in my apartment not anybody that i know somebody else was using my computer from a remote location and that's a creepy yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah so hated that and then also just the whole house buying thing. We did put an offer in on a house and it was accepted. So now I'm just like, oh, all this money that we've been trying to save for a down payment for years. And now oh, everything's gone. Yay. <laughs> it's all gone in one big payment. We haven't actually paid it yet. But just like looking at all the fees <laughs> and everything that are involved, just the tens of thousands of dollars of fees, the just because fees, like you know, the loan origination <laughs> fee and the the assessment fees and the insurance fees that you need to pay up front on top of the monthly insurance fees and then the payment to this person and then to that person and then the you know it's tuesday fee and all (laughs) other extra random fees that don't go towards your actual loan balance they just go to place (laughs) or places right (laughs) this just sucks i hate all of this and then renting isn't any better either because i don't even remember if i complained on here i know i complained to you that they wanted to raise our rent by $250 a month. So we're like, fuck that. No. <laughs> and I just hate everything. I hear ya. And the reason that I'm so grumpy about that is because I just signed 45 documents. <laughs> <laughs> Literally 45 documents about a half an hour ago uh, pertaining to the mortgage. So Good times. Love it. And they weren't even the closing documents. They were just random documents. So, yep. Yep. Good times. Good times. <laughs> 
I hate everything. And we're going to have like a seven and a half percent interest rate and we're never going to not have debt. So it's fine. It's fine. I should just be glad to even theoretically be buying a house, which, you know, we'll see what happens when the closing day comes and if it actually happens. Or not. It's going to happen. And I am going to uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to Mary's house in my shitty yep. 16 year old car. <laughs> That's covered in bird poop because washing a car is too much and really it bring down the lot. property values in your neighborhood with my car. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no problem. I really don't care. <laughs> I don't even have a joke for that because I really could not care less what your car looks like when it's parked I, in our driveway. I'm, I'm sort of I, hoping yeah, your neighbors were going to look sideways at it, you know, side eye. Uh, if they... <laughs> See, that's another concern I have. Is like, what if our neighbors just suck? Hopefully not. At least your neighbors aren't on top of you. So if they do, you don't have to really it's see true. or talk to them. Yeah, they're not as close. They're not, you know, obviously they're not going to be as close as they are here living in an apartment. But they're going to be closer than when we were living out in the northwest oh, corner okay. of the state and had like. So that's what makes me more nervous about living near people again, because it's like more of a, it's like a neighborhood. It's like a suburban area <laughs> instead of a rural area, like I was kind of hoping yeah. we move to. So I'm like, oh, but there's going to be so many people. There will be, but it'll be fine. I know. That's true. And there is a nice bar two miles yeah, away. Yeah, and they won't be on top of you. <laughs> nice brewery two miles yeah, away. and you can walk to a yeah. nice little breakfast place if this you is true. To. We are in walking distance yeah. from a really great breakfast yeah. place. God, I haven't been there in yep. so long. Anyway, we <laughs> went there on Saturday after we made our fantastic, <laughs> and it was as wonderful as I remember oh, it being. Man. Was it crowded like it? Yes. This town also <laughs> happens to be the town that Kathy and I grew up in. Spoiler alert: <laughs> moving back home, <laughs> which is not a thing that I ever ever thought that I would be doing. Coincidentally, the town that Jeff also yeah. grew up in and where we met, even though we did not start dating until way long after. <laughs> But we'll be just a couple. We'll be a couple miles from his never parents. Never be able to escape. Nope, you can never escape. Nope. Yeah, yeah. That's all my fun news for the yeah. week. I have friends who are living in that town that also moved back there after being away. And oh, really? And, like, and then also <laughs> friends who moved there because they're like, we have kids, school system, yay. Yeah. Yeah, Fair. and they actually contacted me recently. Some of them because they want to reconstitute a book club that we had like 10 years ago <laughs> so you know i'll have just more reasons to go to that town fabulous <laughs> yeah sadly as i was telling you even though we're going to be like 10 5 or 10 miles closer to you because of stupid traffic patterns it's not actually going to be any less time God damn it commute wise which also pisses me off because i was like yay we'll be closer to kathy oh mm. not really <laughs> it's okay I'll feel the physical distance is closer, even <laughs> even though it'll take the same amount of time to be a place. I will feel that Excellent. you're closer to me. Excellent. Well, at least now we'll be on bus lines. We'll be a bus from each yeah. other. So that'd be yeah. nice. Yeah. I am excited that I will, at least in theory, be able to use public transit to get to work. Yeah, nice. I do enjoy zoning out and not thinking about things, although... I haven't been doing that very much lately because I'm just trying to make life as easy as possible on myself. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, I'm kind of torn because having your own car is obviously convenient, but the parking situation 
at my school in particular, like the parking situation in that town is already insane. But then at my school in particular, it's just shitty. So like the drive itself isn't so bad, but then parking is awful. Yeah. So so not having to deal with parking yes. will be nice. Yes. That is the worst part of driving there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's lots of terrible things about driving there. People are awful and they're terrible drivers and they've gotten worse <laughs> since COVID. They really have. Everybody runs red lights. I was driving. Yeah. Or you're in a line of traffic driving somewhere and somebody just zips on over into the bike lane and speeds right past all of you. Hopefully there's not a bicyclist there. Yep. <sighs> yep. Or the number of people that are making left turns from the right oh lane God. so that they can like they take the right on red, but then do an immediate U-turn to make it a left turn that's, through a red light. That's been. <laughs> I've seen that a lot lately. And that's not a no. thing. Like you turn, you can do a right on red here in Connecticut, but you can't do a U turn. So doing a right on red only to then turn around and do a U turn to make a left turn yeah. is not no. legal. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and also, it's really dangerous because I've seen people do like go that do that right in front of other cars <laughs> that are actively driving there. Yeah. So, yeah, good times. Good times. Um, this is another lengthy intro that has nothing to do with anything you know who does not have to worry about driving though who's that people that have only just turned 16 and not learned how to drive yet (laughs) what although i was actually learning how to drive when i was 15 and i got my license like the week after my birthday so i guess maybe that doesn't help i um although they changed the law since true yeah i was learning to drive before that but it took a while to get my license, one, because I dragged my feet, and two, because I failed three times before I I got my I license, because I had a hell of a time backing into parking spaces, and then also <laughs> got really nervous during one of them and took really terrible right turns, apparently. I failed at right turns on Aww. one of them. I remember my... <laughs> The first time I took the test and I went to back in the parking space and I knew I'd done it terribly and she was like, "Do do you want do you want do you want to work on this a little?" And I was like, "No, I'm good." <laughs> oh. So, so oh, I so failed. <laughs> it's okay. Then I think my uncle taught me how to properly back into a parking space in not the dumb way you learn in driving school. Because in driving school, she really emphasized backing into a parking space at a 90 degree angle and i'm like that is not how you back into parking spaces unless you have no space yeah i don't really remember how they taught me in driver's ed because i know my dad taught me yeah so anyway that that was another uh side quest in our podcast here yeah. all very yes. relevant to today's episode oh, well i mean getting Which... your driver's license is in fact it is, in fact, relevant to a 16th birthday. Yes. Who else is having a 16th birthday, uh, Kathy? Other than us a long time Cassandra. ago. <laughs> oh. In what we are calling Season 5, Episode 6 of Stargate SG-1, Rite of Passage. Just like getting your driver's Excellent. license. At least in Indeed. Connecticut and probably most of the U.S. Don't mind my crinkling noises here while I drop a bunch of gummy bears into my wine like the grown-ass adult I was just going to ask if you had gummy bears. <laughs> and wine. And they're going for your Nice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever tried gummy bears and wine before. They will be delightful by the time that I get back down to Excellent. the bottom. Excellent. Yep. Yep. Would you like to start? Would you like me to start? I don't start? care. How are you feeling? 
I'm busy looking at the gummy bears swimming in my wine. They've actually all sunk to the bottom. <laughs> but it's fine, because they're going to soak yeah. up wine and be yeah. delicious later. Cassandra probably doesn't have any gummy bears floating in wine at her 16th birthday party, but maybe. <laughs> I would hope not in this country. Cassandra's having a birthday party, which the entire guest list is her, Dr. Frazier, and Sam. That's it. That is very sad. It was sad. pretty sad. This scene sucked. We're yeah. starting off on a great foot here, everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're at Dr. Frazier's house, and there's a cake, and she had some presents. Dr. Frazier is calling for Cassandra. She comes in, and she's like, I'm a bratty teenager. Frazier's like, and I'm your stern mom. And they argue about a t-shirt, or argue it's not really an argument but they blah 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 aren't you gonna wear the top sam bought you no that's for school hey time to do candles uh no my boyfriend's here cool he can come in too you're eating some fucking cake before you can go out little girl <laughs> this is not exactly how it went but <laughs> it's pretty much the gist though it was a pretty awful scene yeah just so cliche yeah, and i hated yeah. it and i <laughs> feel like her brad enius cassandra's acting wasn't the best the actor no. who played her i don't remember it wasn't the same person was it no i not look it up but i don't think it was, I think the same it was a different person they might have yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's about five years older than the yeah. other actor <laughs> the gist is basically cassandra wants to go out with friends dr frazier is going to force her to have some birthday cake before she can do that or at least blow out her candles. I'm not sure if she actually eats any cake or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's shitty yeah. all around. Cassandra goes outside to get her boyfriend. He gives her some cheesy pyramid gift. Well, he prism. wasn't cheesy. Crystal like prism. just the scene was cheesy. It's like it really oh, was. Oh, it's so cute. My, it's just like the one from class. Well, you know, you liked it, and you could put it in your room. And then they have a kiss, and literal sparks fly. Like, the light explodes <laughs> overhead. Cassandra passes out. Yep. Dr. Frazier and Sam come running. They observe she had a temperature. They're asking, like, what else happened? And he's like, I kissed her. And the way Sam's like, you kissed her, was so outraged. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Wow, Sam. Kid's supposed to be 16. Come on, Sam. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's her birthday. And it seemed to be consensual, so. Yeah. They're going to take Cassie to the infirmary at the end of this. But, yeah, I I just was like, Argh! about this whole scene. Yeah, I hate the cliche of all teenage girls being obnoxious yeah. and assholes. Because, I mean, granted, I do not have any teenage daughters, but I have worked with teenage girls and have not found that to be the case. And again, granted, I'm not their parent. I don't see how they are around their parents, but I have not found it to be the case that they are all this obnoxious and yeah. bitchy. And I do not recall being was, like this when I was that I, I age. I was going to so. say, I don't think either of us were particularly this way. Also, I was very tomboyish yeah, and nerdy. Well, so. there's that. <laughs> I don't remember you being that Nobody way. was giving us pyramid prisms, or maybe they were. It's true. For sure not. <laughs> I was not dating anybody back then. 
I wanted to know why Frazier decided that the SGC was the place to go instead of the hospital where she works that has the big giant office. That would seem to make more sense to me. Yeah, it was confusing. I guess I didn't understand, too, from the the phrasing of the first episode she appears in where they're like, the bomb's being reabsorbed into her system. It sounded to me like that meant it could come back at any time if she got near the Stargate, but apparently not because she could just go to the SGC now. I didn't think that they were saying that it was going to, that it could come back, but I thought that they had decided to keep her away from the SGC out of an abundance of caution just in case there were still any remnants left. wise to me, but whatever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, they go to SGC. Cassie's in a bed. Jack comes over and asks how things are going. Cassie's got a fever. Frasier is awfully blasé about finding out that Cassandra's got some retrovirus in her blood. Because, wow. Retroviruses are things like HIV. (laughs) And there's also one other one that can infect humans that's called human T-lymphotropic virus. There's two subspecies of each one, too. But a retrovirus is like a really bad and scary thing that can actually rewrite your DNA. So it is a very specific type of virus. It's not just like a thing that you're going to catch as the common cold or something like that. And it's only transmitted through sexual contact or blood exposure. (laughs) Frazier was acting like, you know, it's just a cold like type of thing. But no, retroviruses are not just a cold. Mm. She should have been a little bit concerned. Also, there was no way that you would just be able to tell that she had a retrovirus in her blood. Especially back then, you had to test for the antibodies, and that took a long time. So anyway, (laughs) I had issues with that. And then... Jack's like, well, she did just get over the flu, didn't she? The flu is not a retrovirus. The flu is a flavor virus, which is a completely different thing because the flu cannot rewrite your DNA the same way that HIV and this human T-lymphotropic virus can. So a flu and a retrovirus, very different, just like the flu and COVID are very different. What? Yeah. (laughs) She says, well, whatever it is, it isn't the flu. Right, because it's a retrovirus. Anyway... Sam asks if there's a causal relationship between the retrovirus and the EM field that Cassie is now emitting, which is also stupid because all humans are emitting EM fields all the time. (laughs) That's not a thing that would be caused by a virus. That just means that you are alive and your muscles and your brain and all of your parts are functioning properly. I assume they mean it's more than, I don't know, can it be worse? Can you have like a stronger EM field? No. Uh, Sam specifically says, though, Cassandra's body is somehow generating a low-level electromagnetic field. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) She does then add that it's periodically spiking, which isn't a thing that it could do, because like I just said, it it would not, you wouldn't have that variation. Like, you you can actually have variations between, like, the EM field that's given off by different organs would actually vary, but your whole body is not going to be, like, spiking. Okay. That's not a thing. Fraser says that she can't do an MRI to find out what other effects the retrovirus is having. No, you can't because you wouldn't use an MRI for that. (laughs) Also, there's no reason that a body emitting an EM field can't do an MRI because MRIs are done on people all the time and we've all got EM fields. Uh, I just, I'm sorry, all the tangents, my brain just can't handle. Do it. All of them. Bring them out. Long story short, Cassie wants to go into the forest. Randomly just wakes up and says she has to go into the forest. Yeah. Carter tells her it's okay. Fraser gets ready to give her an injection, and then the lights start to flicker, and Cassie passes out again. 
at some point after this in the conference room, most of SG-1, <laughs> Hammond and Dr. Frazier are there. They're briefing Hammond on what's going on. Hammond wisely asks, should I put the base under quarantine? <laughs> but Dr. Frazier doesn't think it's contagious since Sam and she do not show any evidence of this retrovirus. Retroviruses are very contagious, but again, you have to have blood exposure okay, or sexual yeah. contact. Dr. Fraser thinks that she must have gotten this retrovirus on her home planet, despite the fact that she hasn't been there for years because they can exist in the body undetected for years before symptoms appear. And then when that it does emerge... Okay, cool. And then when it does emerge, it starts to rewrite the individual's DNA so it can replicate. Also true. Excellent. Yes. And it doesn't match any... Of the retroviruses on record, which, as we just learned from Mary, is two. <laughs> I mean, there are more on record, but there are two that oh, can infect okay. <laughs> and then, like I said, there are two subvariants of each one, too. So, like, we've actually got, like, an HIV-1 and an HIV-2. And that other one that I mentioned also had two subvariants. Okay, okay. <laughs> or two variants, I guess. She's currently trying to treat this with antiviral medication, and, but she says that... The retrovirus has spread to her cerebral spinal fluid, and so she's concerned about brain damage. Generally, retroviruses are going to only affect a very specific type of cell. So just because it was in the brain wouldn't mean that you would actually have to be worried about it attacking the brain. Like, for example, both of the examples for humans attack T-cells. Okay. That virus is going to be present in the cerebrospinal fluid, but it's not going to be attacking the brain even if it's there. Because it can only attach to T-cells because of the spike proteins on the outside. Okay. So maybe she's just concerned because it's an unknown quantity. I don't know. I think Frasier's not a very good doctor and doesn't know what she's talking about. Also, there's that. Remember back when, <laughs> remember way back when, when I found that review where someone was like, Frasier's a terrible <laughs> Dude, doctor? I think, I think about that all the time. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that person yeah. was right. And I didn't even realize it. You're so young and naive. Like I said, I have received so much more science education since my first pass through of this show. (laughs) And a lot of it in health, (laughs) human health specifically. Again, I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) I teach human anatomy and physiology. I was an EMT, so no doctor. Still know a good amount, though. Daniel comes in. He's read through all of SG7's reports from their time on... Cassandra's planet. My wine tastes like gummy bears. Excellent. Yep. It's a little sweet, but not too sweet yet. I was going to say, is that making it too sweet to drink? Because I know you're not fond of sweet wine. Are you? It's a little bit. I'm not not fond of sweet wine, but mostly it's just an essence of gummy bear with a tiny (laughs) bit of sweetness. Excellent. (laughs) I thought you and everyone else would want the update. Daniel has some digital video footage of children with high fever and hallucinations teenagers excuse me people who are cassandra's age he says i mean they are children but you know not like young children that was very important yeah 16 is pretty late for puberty yeah i don't know what this is but whatever it is on this digital video footage i just thought it was funny the way he said that but that's because yeah. all pretty much all video footage now is digital, so yes. <laughs> it's just... That wasn't yeah. always the case then, but yeah. You basically see a kid on the ground writhing around, and there is clearly something wrong with this person. 
I think she's screaming. Like, it's just not, it's yeah. not pretty. It's, no, it's disturbing. Yeah. Daniel shows them that little clip. He says there's more, but they get the idea. He also, when he paused the video, I don't know why, but he sort of took a moment to, like, consider the remote in his hand. And then he kind of shook it. It was weird. I didn't even <laughs> it was so brief, but <laughs> I was like, weird. what are you doing? Fidgety? Maybe. I don't know. That's it weird. was weird. It was very deliberate, too. Very strange. Daniel says that the village elders believed the children were touched by the gods and they couldn't interfere in any way and rebuffed SG-7's offers of medicine. They just send the children into the forest. Alone. All alone. And then they come back cured after that. Yeah. They were very secretive about how this happens. Daniel says it's some sort of religious rite in their culture. They consider going to Cassandra's planet because Sam said it was four years ago that it was contaminated. So it's probably okay now. But they'll check first with a malp, which is good. So that's what they're going to do. Check it out. Head on yeah. over. Apparently everything checked out with the Malp because the next scene is on the other planet. SG-1 is having a look around in the woods and they find a tree that's got a weird glowing green handprint on it and some other weird markings. There's also a campfire right there on the ground in front of it. This is supposedly at least four years old. But it looks like somebody has just been there. They decide that they're going to collect some samples of the vegetation, but then Daniel has to go over and start touching stuff. He puts his hand on the handprint, and some rings activate around the yeah, fire. I was going to say, before that, the fire turns on. <laughs> oh, right. The fire does turn on. It wasn't actually lit before, but it does light. <laughs> and then rings appear around it, and they are taken down into a lab of some sort. Tilk thinks it's a ghoul laboratory, to be specific. And most likely Nirtis, since she was the the Gua'uld who, I guess, ruled this planet. And killed them all. Oh, that's right. She was the yeah. one that killed them all. I forgot about that. I forgot it wasn't a disease, but that it was... I guess it was a disease. I forget. How did they all die? I think they all died of a disease, but I think they Nirti died from the disease it. she put there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. They have a look around. Daniel finds a tablet and starts reading some notes about it. And says that this place was viewed as an initiation rite by the people of the village. The children that would suffer from this mind fever would wander into the forest. And presumably it would start to get dark and cold. So they would go and hang out by the campfire over there and be drawn to the glowing handprint on the tree, just like <laughs> Daniel was. And then if they touch the glowing handprint, then rings happen. And then they come down to this lab for near tea to cure. To the secret lab. Sam says, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so Jack rightfully says, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but Tilk's like, no, it does. Jack points out that she killed everybody on the planet except for Cassie. So how really does that make any sense whatsoever? Why would she cure some children only to then kill off everybody on the planet? Daniel thinks that she was doing some sort of an experiment, though, to essentially improve the genetics of the people on that planet. Maybe that's what the retrovirus has to do with all of this. If they want an answer, they probably should try to find Nirti. But last anybody knew, she was being held prisoner by the system lords. So that's probably not an option. They 
open up some sort of a cylinder that I was expecting to be full of dinosaur embryos. <laughs> it looked a lot like that cylinder that had all of those embryos in Jurassic Park in it. Five, four, three, two, one. But instead it has some little plastic strips with colors in them that nobody knows what they are. And it is exciting. So they're going to take it with them. <laughs> because when somebody has a virus that you don't really know where they got it from, and you found the room where they might have caught it, why not take <laughs> it back with you? <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I think it's worth noting that the thing opened because Daniel touched another thing. Because this episode is all about Daniel touching right. things, apparently. <laughs> Daniel does touch yeah. a lot of stuff. I have a new update. My gummy bears have doubled in oh. size. Oh, I like ballooning gummy bears. Fat yep. with wine. They're very small to begin with, but now they are quite chunky. <laughs> Little chunky Aww. bears. Back in the SGC, Dr. Fraser comes to check on Cassie. But, surprise, she's not there. However, she has not gotten very far. She no. like basically turns around and she's right there trying to leave. Cassandra is insisting she needs to go to the forest. And then she gets mad and is like, you're not my mom. Fraser's like, I'm mad about that. What have I been to you these last few years? Cassandra's really upset, basically. And Dr. Fraser just wants to calm her down and get her back to bed. Cassandra is getting, though, even more and more agitated as they are having their conversation. Cassandra... Tries to make a run for it, but she gets to some doors and can't go anywhere. And there are also two guards or something who are hanging around and stop her. And she's like screaming, is like, let me go. And she tells Fraser and them they're killing her. And then she makes a bunch of lights explode again. So that's fun. Sure yeah. does. <laughs> I was thinking that they really need to start using circuit breakers and I don't understand <laughs> with all of the times that this sort of thing has happened how they still don't have circuit breakers. <laughs> Why is everything so sparky and sparkly in this place? I don't know. <laughs> because Hammond is bad at his job. He, he really is. <laughs> Speaking of Hammond, he's down in the gate room when Sam gets back. She's reporting that everybody else wanted more time in the lab, but Sam wanted to come and check in on Cassie to see what's going on. And Hammond's like, well, you should probably go see for yourself. So she does. Cassie is sleeping and it is exciting when Sam gets there. I, I guess it's a different place. It didn't look any different to me, but Fraser says that they had to move her in there from wherever she was before. Yeah, I don't know. Did they move her to like some lab or something? Or is that like the surgical? I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know where they moved her to. Yeah, there's an observation window. So I guess it's like the surgical area yeah. suite or whatever. She's still got a fever, but it's not getting any higher. Although her blood work is still bad. There's no antibodies, which again, made me question how they would know that a retrovirus was in there because back then we did not have any other way of testing for a retrovirus other than to look for the antibodies. <laughs> There's no indication that Cassie's body is fighting this thing. They're just seeing more and more retrovirus. Sam wants to know if Cassie knows what is happening to her. And Fraser says that all she knows is that Cassie seems driven to go back to the planet 
and that she thinks that it's some sort of instinctual thing or possibly a side effect of the virus itself, but she doesn't really seem convinced that Cassie knows why she wants to go or there. Or she grew up on the planet where people did that and then they got better. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yes, exactly. Like, why didn't they think, oh, yeah, she was there long enough to know that Cassie probably recognizes these symptoms and knows how to fix it. But they are just going to completely ignore yeah. all that. And instead, Sam's like, what are we going to tell her? <laughs> also, she's like 16. So maybe just tell her the truth. Also, no matter what her age is, if there's a problem, like if the kid's having a health problem, maybe just tell them the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Frazier and Sam make their way to the room. Cassandra wakes up when she hears them. And wants to know why she's being kept there. Dr. Fraser tells her, your body's generating an EM field and points it out on a monitor. <laughs> that means you're not yeah. dead. <laughs> Apparently they're in a room that is shielded from the rest of the base so she can't blow up the rest of the lights in the entire place. Cassandra says, if she can go back to the planet, this will not happen anymore because, again, she's witnessed this having grown up on the planet... Dr. Frazier is not hearing that, though. I mean, I guess maybe they're apprehensive because Cassie wouldn't know that it was a ghoul laboratory where all those things were happening. And also maybe they're thinking that since Nirti, last anybody knew, was in prison, that maybe they're thinking that there is no cure in that lab currently. Who knows? Sam lets Cassie know they found the place where the initiation rite was supposed to be happening. That it was Nerti's lab. Secret lab. That was the place she's trying to go. And Cassandra's like, yeah, she killed everyone in my village. Dr. Fraser adds, she also tried to use you to kill all of us. So she's a good friend, Nerti. <laughs> Old pals. Further, they tell her that the initiation ritual was being used to conduct experiments on the people of her planet. But they don't know why. Dr. Fraser tells her, also, this is a lot of telling stuff we kind of knew. The retrovirus is part of her experiment, probably. But they don't know the details. Dr. Fraser says, it's changing the way your cells generate electrical fields. And then she says her body is generating heat. <laughs> Which it does anyway. <laughs> and her EEG is showing brain activity is increasing heat is a byproduct of cellular <laughs> respiration that is good that your body's generating heat <laughs> uh, yeah update yeah. my gummy bears are delicious <laughs> excellent <laughs> that's basically Very yeah important. that's basically it there's not anything they can do that they know of yet but they're you know trying or something Back on the alien lab, SG Three Quarters is continuing to explore and try to find answers. They find some sort of a strange device that Daniel thinks must be for evolution. <laughs> That's logical. <laughs> sure. But to be fair, retroviruses, since they can change your DNA, actually could have implications on evolution. And really, this entire show did or this entire episode really did continue to just remind me of x-men and cassie in particular reminded me of rogue yeah. from x-men i saved your life no, you didn't but anyway the device daniel reads from the notebook that he found before is called a hoktar which is a term that tilk has not heard in many years but he is familiar with it apparently the children underwent initiation rites which 
was already established. All of a sudden, the transport rings activate. Daniel thinks maybe he did that by mistake? He is always touching things. Yeah, he is. <laughs> they decide that it's time to get out of there. But we see just a weird little glimpse of a different viewpoint from somebody that is not SG three quarters. Sam goes to visit Cassandra again. She brings a chess set because they play chess every other Saturday. They know how to have a good time. I'm sorry <laughs> to anyone who is like, yeah, chess enthusiast. I just don't get it. <laughs> I actually really love chess, but I never play it because I have nobody else to play with that enjoys it as much as I Okay. Do. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I have no one to play no one to play chess with. If anyone's looking for a chess partner, Mary's open to it. <laughs> true. It's true. Cassandra tells Sam she knows what's happening to her. And it is that she's changing into something and there's nothing you can do to stop it. All right. Okay. Something. That was very helpful. Yeah. Very specific. (laughs) Sam says, your mom and I really like a challenge, so we're on it. Then Cassandra calls her Dr. Fraser and says she isn't her real mother, that her real mother died when Yerti killed them all. And Sam says she knows that, and so does Janet. And don't call her Dr. Fraser. She loves you and deserves better. Everyone loves you. Even though you're a bratty teenager, you should feel lucky. <laughs> Cassandra says that doesn't change anything. And that she is different and she can do things. And at this point, she holds her hand out and lets a chess piece fly into her hand with her brain. Yeah, totally yeah. normal. She tells Sam that Jack calls the night horses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are horses. And that Colonel O'Neill pretends he's not as smart as he really is, which we all knew. Yep. Yeah. Cassandra asks Sam what she sees when she looks at her now. And Sam's like, I see you. I'm always going to see you. You were the only you who ever was. And then she continues to want to play chess because they know how to have a good time. (laughs) Back up in the briefing room, apparently Hammond is watching them play chess on the monitor. That's not weird at all. I think it was being recorded and she showed her the video because of the horses. The horses. The oh, right. She is yeah. in the briefing room, too. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So they're all watching them play. Jack points out the fact that there are magnets in each of those pieces. So Kathy was probably somehow able to manipulate the magnet in it. That makes sense. To get it to come over to her. <laughs> but then Jack's also like, well, they do look like horses. <laughs> Daniel's face after Jack has his little magnet speech. It's just. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, but it makes sense, though. If their argument is that she has an extra EM field, then, yeah, it's not weird that she would be able to draw magnetic things to her. I mean, look at Magneto. Come on. There, there you go. What's a Magneto? Right? Although he can work with any metal, not just magnets, but whatever. You get my point. You all know where I'm going with that. They go on with their debriefing about what was found in the lab. Frasier doesn't know how, from a physiological standpoint, Cassie was able to do the thing with the horse slash knight. Daniel says that they have been looking into the Hoktar and they actually figure out that it's 
a portmanteau, which Kathy and I love. Hell yeah. Hawk meaning advanced, and tar is short for tower-y, basically just means hawk tar, also known as X-Men. <laughs> but whatever, it's an advanced human, and Nirti was using this virus to make people evolve into a more advanced form of human. Ultimately, it seems that what she wanted was to have a super ultra powerful human host for herself. And so all of these experiments on the kids on that planet were to that end of trying to get a super, super host. Fraser points out, though, that prior to their arrival, there hadn't been any signs of any of the villagers having any advanced intelligence or hidden gifts or anything like that. According to her, it's inconceivable that anybody could do something like that. Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Daniel points out, well, it never worked. That's the problem. That's why all the kids got sick. So they just wandered off and I guess Nirti just... I don't understand why Nirti wouldn't just let them die, though. Why she would heal them and send them on their way. That didn't make sense to me, but... I don't know. That's what they're guessing, is that these transformations and these special powers didn't take, and so Nirti fixed them and continued to try with, like, the next generation or whatever. Okay, so my question with that sort of is, Dr. Fraser saying that Nirti cured them... It, okay, so this retrovirus. Yep. Yes. If Nirti cures them... Does their altered DNA stay altered or is curing them just reverting them back to their original state? Yeah, I don't know. Because if it doesn't revert that, then it makes sense to let them live to, as Dr. Fraser says, pass it on to the next generation. But if curing it fixes everything, then it doesn't make sense. Did that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it does make sense. And that would depend on like what ever advanced pseudoscience they're using that we don't have access to i guess retroviruses aren't technically rewriting your dna what they're able to do is they're able to cut the dna open and then essentially reverse engineer so they have rna as their genetic information and so then they use a reverse transcriptase which is an enzyme that makes dna from the rna and then they insert this little strip of dna so it's not like totally rewriting it it's just inserting extra information into the dna so you've got like these little stretches of dna that were not supposed to be there but again, whether or not her curing them would leave the DNA there or not, that would depend on whatever weird technology <laughs> that Nirti has that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe she was leaving the DNA changes in there, but just like mitigating the symptoms. I feel like that's the only way somehow what Nirti was doing makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. But if the rewritten DNA was what was giving them the symptoms, though, I'm not sure how it would be possible to take away the symptoms mm. while still maintaining those changes. That's a good point. Anyway, they figured that the experiment was long term. And with every generation, she was getting closer and closer to becoming a Hoktar or developing a Hoktar that she could then inhabit. But whatever Nirti was doing... We still got the problem of Cassie. Her fever is apparently rising again, even though it had been stable for a while. She's still got her funky mystical powers and everything that Frasier's doing to try to get the fever down is not working. So they got to figure something out. Frasier goes to see Cassie, who is still playing with that knight. She's just sitting there having it float in front of her, spinning slowly. Mesmerizing. Yeah. Dr. Frazier wants to know what's going on, and Cassie says it helps her to spin the knight 
somehow it feels to her like the heat is leaving her body and going into the chest piece. It's very exciting. Yeah, Cassandra's like, you haven't found a cure yet, have you? Dr. Fraser tells her they're still trying. They've got some bio samples to analyze from the planet, and maybe something there will help her produce antibodies. Cassandra, though, is like, I am ready to surrender to this. I want this to happen, she says. Can you blame her? She's got superpowers. I know! And she seems to think it's inevitable. And she can feel a power inside her. And this is just the beginning. Dr. Fraser, though, says her body is under enormous strain due to this power inside her. And she is worried that it could kill Cassie. Cassie says she doesn't care. Dr. Fraser's like, you should, and I know the limitations of the human body. <laughs> Cassandra's like, maybe I'm not human anymore. Yeah, she's an ex-person. Yeah, and that maybe dying is part of the transformation. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Dr. Fraser's pretty upset about that and shouts, I don't care if it is or not. At which point Cassie drops the knight and looks at Fraser, who reaches over to pick up the knight for some reason and it turns out it wasn't just Cassie thought the heat was going into the night it's so hot that when she tries to pick it up her her skin like sizzles yeah that's bad <laughs> yeah Cassie says she's sorry although I don't think that was her fault anyway <laughs> yeah she clearly yeah. didn't do it on purpose Fraser wants her to fight Cassandra goes back to flipping the night. Dr. Frazier walks out, hopefully to tend to her burn. Final update. I am out of both wine and gummy bears. And it is... Oh, my God. We should probably... Actually, to be fair, I still... To be fair, I still have a ton of gummy bears <laughs> they're over just here, not but they're just wine. not wine-soaked gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, we should probably, you know, cancel this episode and you should just go get some yeah. more wine and gummy bears. Right? I'm yeah. done. I'm yeah. done with this. That's it for us. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Back in Sam's lab, they are looking at some sort of scan of Cassie. Sam doesn't think it can be right because the EM field must be interfering. But nope, whatever it is, Fraser's like, no, she'll be able to control that. Now, we don't actually even get a clear answer of what the hell no. they're talking about. Just that some activity level is 25% higher than it should be. Yeah, it was weird. And her body can't sustain that increased activity level of whatever it is that they're talking about here, whatever MacGuffin reading that they're talking <laughs> about. Sam's going to go talk to her because she's been awake for 30 hours and maybe Sam can convince her to go to sleep, I guess. Yeah. Down in the infirmary, Sam has a little talk with Cassie, who is taking a little bit of a walk down memory lane about how Sam refused to leave her, even when she thought that Cassie was going to blow up. And even though she had been ordered to leave Cassie there alone, Sam refused to leave. And Sam's like, yeah, that's right. They basically rehashed that whole whole scene mm -hmm. from, I don't even know how many seasons ago. Exactly. I think it was... Yeah, God, that was either, like, I feel like late one or early two or late, I don't know, one or two, so. somewhere in there. Yeah. 
In any case, Sam's going to stay with Cassie for a while. Cassie says it's not time yet for what we don't really know. I guess maybe for Cassie to die is what they're talking about. Because Cassie asks Sam if she'll be with her when it is time. And Sam, of course, promises that she will be. Even though, again, we don't really know exactly what it will be time for. Elsewhere, Dr. Frazier is in her office or something. She's got a big microscopy thing. A microscope is probably what that's called. Not microscopy thing. I don't, yeah, they always, it's weird because they always use dissecting microscopes <laughs> on this show when they should be using like literally any other type of <laughs> microscope, but they really like apparently how dissecting microscopes All work. Right. So that's what they're showing her looking at, which does not magnify things. It magnifies things a lot, but like ah. way less than pretty much any other type of microscope. Well, she's looking through that. She's writing stuff down. She rubs her head. She's having a time here, which totally makes sense. And then she gets up to leave. She's going somewhere. I don't know. After she leaves, something opens her door, then moves her chair away from her desk. And then a person appears out of thin air. Why do you think that they decided to make themselves visible when they could clearly still manipulate the environment while not being visible and now they've just upped their risk of getting well, caught? Well, I mean, you saw the fuzzy blue view of the invisible people. It's hard to read <laughs> when it's so blue and fuzzy. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <Sure>. This <laughs> This person is looking through. Their, their face is hidden at this point. We don't know who it is, but I'm pretty sure we all know who it is. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, Dr. Frazier has gone all the way to an elevator without her damn ID. So she has to go back to the office. I hate when that happens. I know. I do. I, I, I leave my office all the time without my ID, and then I have to have my students let me back in. Because, yeah, it's dumb. Anyway, or my colleagues. It, somebody's got to let me in because I can't get back into my work area. Yeah, that's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. And I, there's a whole reason I, like, have my ID on a lanyard that I wear most of the time. But, you know, mm -hmm. I usually take it off, apparently, right before I'm about to leave the office. And yeah, then, I keep mine on a carabiner hooked to my pants and I sometimes absentmindedly take it yeah. off. Thankfully, I don't really need mine for most places other than to get into the garage and then into the building. Mm. And so like once I'm in the building, it's fine. But also if I, I've got my office key on it, though. So if I just like left it on my desk and left my office, then I'd be locked out of my office. <laughs> and that would be that annoying. That would be annoying. Dr. Frazier's on the way back to the lab. In her office, this person is still looking at whatever sample was under the microscope. At some point, she even just picks it up and looks at it like... Yeah. Getting a better view with her eyes. She picks up the chart that Dr. Frazier left in a pile of other stuff. And fortunately, Frazier is wearing noisy shoes. So she hears <laughs> Frazier coming and puts down the chart and invisibles herself again. That's how you say that. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Frazier comes in and is like, hmm, that seems weird. She doesn't say any of this, but she notices her chart. But then she looks up at the x-rays on the wall behind the desk she was sitting at. And she notices something and just like runs out of there. 
I wanted to know what was going on with the x-ray of a skull. Because again, not a doctor, not an expert at reading x-rays, but it looked like the person whose x-ray it was had like metal on every tooth in their mouth. Because like, you know, metal's going to show up way brighter on an x-ray than Mm. bone does. So this person's teeth were like all glowing as though all of their teeth were made of metal. Interesting. Or like they had a filling in every tooth or something. I mean, that's my my mouth is full of fillings. So that could be my And I was like, maybe she just, (laughs) but like on every tooth though. And I was like, maybe she just has braces or something. And I was like, but no, Kathy doesn't have braces. So I don't know what was happening. Maybe I was just like seeing it weird on my tv or what something, teeth but. of mine don't have fillings are probably crowned so <laughs> <laughs> fair anyway i i was i was confused because the camera also like zooms in a little bit on some of the x-rays and i was like i don't know what we're supposed to be looking at here this is weird yeah i don't know anyway fraser finds sam in some random hallway Fraser wants to know what happened to the bodies of the villagers, and it turns out that all of them were cremated way back. Fraser's like, good, there might still be bone fragments. Not typically, but I guess technically there could be. She wants to go try to find some bone, but even if the bone wasn't burned, I would still think that the heat would have been enough to probably destroy mm. whatever evidence she's looking for, which is apparently antibodies. I would not think that you would be able to find that. But... Before Fraser can continue explaining what it is that she wants to do, alarms start going off. They all rush to the room where Cassie is. And Cassie is awake, but very upset, because apparently when she woke up, there was a ghoul standing over her, and it creeped her out, Mm -hmm. understandably. She screamed, and the person ran away. So now everybody is on high alert. They've got their zats being handed out all around. And they're going to go look for whoever it was that was standing over Cassie's bed. And it's extra creepy because they figure that whoever it was must have come back to Earth with them. So has probably been in the base just creeping around for quite some time now. Daniel even realizes that the rings in the lab, when they seem to be activated, he thought it was him doing it by mistake. But crap, what if it was actually (laughs) Nearty, invisible, activating the ring and... Yeah, that's the assumption that they're going to go with. Seems like a reasonable assumption at this point. So they're going to search the base. They do have orders, though, not to shoot to kill because they need information from her about how to cure Cassie. I like when Hammond asks Jack what he wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Of course. Jack's like, stay in here, sir. (laughs) <laughs> I just laughed and laughed. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it is ridiculous. So yeah, so yeah, Jack is gonna stay with Cassie to guard her. <laughs> the rest of them go about sweeping the base. They don't just have the zets; they have those like invisibility guns that they had to. Oh, is that what those? Other yeah, to, were? Okay, to like detect. Sense. Was it? the phase yeah yeah like aliens, what like the yeah. ritu and the and your yeah, t too right because she's been mm. invisible before anyway they're sweeping through they've cleared some levels i thought the ritu were invisible because they were naturally phase shifted oh from okay i can't remember but, but they had a way to s- is near to using technology that does this i guess near t must be using technology that does the same thing if these ray gun things are supposed to work the same way to make her visible that it did for them. (laughs) Meanwhile, Cassandra is like, Nearty wants to know if her experiment worked. And Dr. Frazier's like, we don't know what she wants. 
But Cassandra's still convinced she's transforming and she's probably not going to die because otherwise Nirti would have just let it happen. For some reason, Nirti blows out a glass in the observation room and jumps into the room. Yep. For some reason. And for some reason, she thought this would be useful or helpful, but no, because Jack has a fucking (laughs) zat. So he just zats in the general direction of, like, the flying glass and person who's, like, flipping through the air because she seems to be flickering a little bit, right? Yeah, it makes no sense. Why did she do this? Why? I have no idea. Jack's able to zat her. Maybe they were pointing the other thing and that's why they could see her. But anyway, she's down but not dead. All of a sudden, Cassandra is having a seizure or something. Dr. Frazier's like, we need to get her out of here. Because apparently now suddenly it's fine to just take her to other parts of the base. I guess. Whatever. <laughs> I guess they're not worried about the lights and electrical everything I guess anymore. not. I don't know. Next, we're in a holding room. Jack is questioning Nirti. Nirti wants to know what is happening with her. And he tells her that she's unconscious. Nirti's like, cool. Then we're near the end. Obviously, they want to have some sort of a cure. Nirti's not just going to give that away for free, so she wants to know what's in it for her, since she does know how to cure Cassie. What she wants is both her freedom and also a blood sample. That's not too much to ask, right? Not at all. Yeah. Out in the hall, Daniel is talking with Fraser about this offer. But they're arguing, of course, that you can't really trust her, and what is she going to do if they let her go? At the same time, they don't see where they really have any choice but to give in to her demands if they do want to actually save Cassie. Fraser asks Daniel what Hammond plans to do, and Daniel says that Hammond is still thinking about it. And by thinking about it, we all know that he means waiting for Jack to decide <laughs> what to do. <laughs> We're back wherever Cassandra ends up. When the scene first opens, they're like, showing monitors and stuff and there was one that like just had a digital head like spinning it was weird i didn't know what that was i totally missed that like i don't know (laughs) what this would depict but here we are cassie is unconscious dr frazier's obviously stressed out she's gonna try to give cassie some dantrolene which is supposed to help with her fever and then suddenly cassandra wakes up but not because of the medication just because. And she is still all full steam ahead with whatever's going to happen to her. She and Fraser are doing their back and forth thing again. And Cassandra is getting agitated. And I think she starts to have another seizure. Mm-hmm. And then the nurse, while they're trying to tend to her, the nurse tells Fraser that her temperature is now 106. So even this medication Fraser's giving isn't working, which is very unfortunate and sad for her fun fact a normal fever is called hyperthermia not hypothermia and a fever of 106 or more is known as hyperpyrexia that doesn't sound great no right because i'm assuming that it's like pyro as in like fire which would probably be the root of that Mm. but i thought it was interesting when i learned that today well all i can think about is putting glass dishes in the oven (laughs) it's true In the briefing room, SG-1 is gathered with Hammond, talking about what they should do. Apparently Hammond isn't going to decide this thing on his own. He's, of course, 
taking SG-1's opinion into account. And by SG-1, I, of course, mean Jack. (laughs) Hammond is actually trying to argue that everybody is being too sentimental and emotional and that they can't let Nirti free for the sake of one girl because this is the best chance that they have of beating the Gua'uld by trying to get information from her. And that if they were to let her go, especially if they were to let her go with some of Cassie's blood, she could succeed in creating a genetically advanced toast and become ridiculously powerful. Which was a great point yeah. because it seems that like nobody else on SG-1 was thinking about the fact that now there's a power vacuum because Apophis and Cronus are dead. So like, what if she just leaves to take over their yeah. place? But no, nobody cared. They just are worried about Cassie. But nobody else, except for Teal'c, agreed with him. And Teal'c was, of course against the Gua'uld. He had his stop the Gua'uld at all costs attitude, yeah. but everybody else is like, nope, worth the risk. We should totally let her go. Yeah. And so that's what they're going to do. They're going to let her go, but without the sample of blood. That's their happy compromise. I I feel like I'm definitely more on Teal'c and Hammond's side on this, except for that I feel yeah. like a very easy argument against what Teal'c is saying is, hey, if this were Ryak, would you be okay with you know, just letting him die if you could save him. Yeah. I don't know where Tilk is coming from. I mean, obviously not. But again, it's like one of the whole good of the one versus the good of the many arguments. Like if they let her go, she might kill millions of yeah. people. And so they are sacrificing those millions of people because they all love Cassie, which, yes, that's horrible. to have to make that decision to let Cassie go but you know that these people are mass murderers and mass murderers on the scale of millions of people so like how can you take that risk Dr. Frazier however is not waiting on Hammond's decision she goes to see Nyrti she tells the guard at the door that Hammond would like her to check on Nyrti he swipes her in Frazier then pulls out a needle and apparently sedates him he had already swiped her in so why did she need to sedate I don't, him maybe when she pulls the gun he might have pulled a gun on her but as we but see she could have just gone in the room and closed the yeah. door and then also there were other two other yeah. guards that were still in there conscious that did yeah. nothing so yeah. yeah so she walks in the room pulls a gun on your teeth that's that scene yeah <laughs> in the briefing room they're continuing to discuss what they should do I like that Daniel's like, we'll find another way. I'm like, well, but will you though? Because it's been a good number of years. (laughs) Hammond says we may never have a Gould again as prisoner. So, you know, they should take advantage of that. And Sam's like, but look at what Cassandra's gone through because of the Gould. If we put that above what they may learn or what might happen or put those things over her life, then Jack says it's time to pack it in. So Jack has spoken. Dale's yes. on that side, too. Of course. But before Hammond can say anything, he is called to Nearty's cell. And, of course, in Nearty's cell, they all go down and find Fraser standing there with the guards doing nothing, pointing a gun at Nearty. Hammond tells her to stand down, but she says that she can't. She doesn't have a choice. I didn't really understand what she was like. Is she going to shoot Nirti? How does that accomplish anything? And obviously holding a gun on her isn't going to get her to cure Cassie because she doesn't really seem to care. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, this is where Hammond reveals that the choice has been made. They're going to let her go free if she cures Cassie, but they're not going to give her any of Cassie's blood to go with her. 
And Nirti says, well, that's not good enough. And Hammond's like, well, let me remind you that this lady with the gun is Cassie's mom. Apparently that was enough to convince Nirti that she needed to go fix Cassie. So that's what she does. They all go to the isolation room. They bring Nirti some tools that they took from her secret lab. (laughs) Nirti puts on some sparkle bling, tries for about two seconds, says that they waited too long. Frasier angrily insists that Nirti try again. So she does. And then it works. And Cassie is fine. She wakes up. She takes her mask off. Her vital signs return to normal. And they take Nirti to the gate. They do. And... They dial out for her. Yurti says that she's going to have to start her experiment all over again. Cool. I bet nobody will be harmed or killed in the process no. of that. No. And, you know, SG-1 honored this much of their bargain, and she's not sure she would have done the same. Jack's going to keep that thought alive. And then she walks through the gate. They just let her leave. They just sure do. let her leave. Yep. Yes, they yep. did. But it's okay, though, because back down in the infirmary, Cassie's all happy and joking around with Fraser and Sam again. And Fraser and Cassie are going to play chess. But unfortunately, Cassie no longer has the advantage of being able to make the chess pieces move with her mind. <laughs> Sam teases Cassie about... What an impressive last kiss that was with Dominic. So she's sure that Cassie can't wait to get out of here to go see him again. (sighs) That was it. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) Also, then I noticed at the end of the episode that it says that the last day to watch is on 1130. So what the fuck? God damn it, Netflix. Stop jerking us around. Right. But I think it's actually available on Amazon Prime now. And also, we, of course, have the DVDs. So. It doesn't matter from a recording standpoint, but we want people to be able to watch. With I will us be using the DVDs choose. because I do not have the Prime. Yeah, I have Amazon Prime, so I'll probably yeah. use that because yeah. I don't even know easier. what I would play DVDs yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a thing that I can you use. You can come to play watch them, it but... with me. <laughs> I could, but then we would just end up talking through it and doing true. this while we're watching That's it, true. and <laughs> that would probably just be counterproductive. Probably. So, Kathy, did you like the episode? No, I really did not. <laughs> what? I was so bored. Shocking. I think I mentioned already, I had to watch it twice, and my mind kept wandering, so the points of the episode kept confusing me. And some I'm still not 100% sure of. This yeah. rite of passage that they have on this planet, did Nirti do this experiment so long that they built this religious ceremony into their culture because of that or is this something she took advantage of children just wandering in the woods and then coming back as like adults or whatever well yeah it it sounded like the kids were being afflicted with this thing and then wandering in the woods okay but also i was wondering like is it all yeah i was wondering about that too like is it all kids that are affected by this like every single kid so that's why it's a rite of passage or is it only some kids that come down with this virus because any society where you have a virus, you're not going to have 100% of people affected right. by that virus. There's always going to be some people that have some sort of natural immunity to it. Yep. Yeah, so it just, it made no sense to me in that respect. No. I also think the decision to let Nirti go is so ridiculous. I okay. don't know what to do with it. Like... Oh, Hammond gave his word. Okay, dude, it's a fucking Gould who is probably going to go murder a bunch of people. She basically promised to as she was leaving. 
Yeah. And on top of it, Simmons is up Hammond's ass about his terrible command. So why would he make mm-hmm. this bonehead decision on top of that? What the fuck? It was right. so dumb and very boring. And I wanted to like the whole Dr. Fraser mother and daughter, like, but that was annoying too. And Cassie was annoying and Sam was just kind of there. <laughs> it just made me made me want more Daniel. And if something makes me want wow. more Daniel. Because he was making great faces and being funny in the background. (laughs) Anyway, I did not like this episode at all. How about you? Yeah, I also hated this episode. The science was awful. Not as bad as last week, but it was still pretty terrible. As I said, I really hate the trope that all teenage girls in particular are obnoxious and have horrible attitudes and are just as awful as Cassie was being. Yeah, the decision to take her to the base in the first place made no sense. The decision to sacrifice all of Nearty's future victims in favor of Cassie made no sense. Why Fraser would even be Cassie's doctor doesn't even make any sense because that's just a conflict of interest. Like, you should not be practicing medicine on your own close family, that's, really. That's a good point. So, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So and it, so it actually kind of made me wonder, like, how would this have been different? Like, would this have, scenario have played out any differently if it was the other doctor that likes to push the yeah. buttons or the other uh, random doctor guy who was treating Cassie here rather than Fraser? And I'm guessing that probably it would have come out differently if that had been the case as as it should have been, because you can't you can't be unbiased when you're treating your own child as your patient. For sure. And so you're going to have some lapses in judgment, which we definitely saw Frazier having some lapses in judgment as a result. Yes. Is that everything? I think that's pretty much everything. Everything that I didn't like about it. It was just it's just a stupid episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it was boring. Please tell me the next one's better. I hope so. No. Two in a row that I have really hated. The next one is Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 7, Beast of Burden. Netflix says... After befriending the Unas known as Shaka, Daniel places surveillance cameras on the Unas' planet so that he can study their alien ways. Huh. The booklet says, Daniel's Unas friend Shaka is captured by a pre-industrial civilization that uses Unas as slaves. While attempting to free Shaka from this cruel regime, Daniel risks the safety of SG-1 and possibly the life of his friend. That is a very <laughs> <Yes>. different description. <laughs> wow. Yes, <it> is. <laughs> huh. I think I remember Okay. I remember bits of this. I remember the bones of this episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think I remember a whole lot about it. I don't know. Anything else? No. Good. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can contact us through our website, which is stargatesing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can head over to patreon.com slash stargatesing. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargazing The End. The End. Kiss.
Cassandra tries to. Ooh, I just got an email saying we're officially under contract. Huzzah! Yes. Woo! That's exciting. Much more exciting than this episode. 